0: Time for the 84th QuackCast. This one is called Perpetual Motion, Some Thoughts on the Bravewell Report. Quote, I am not here to convince people that we are right, although it would be nice if it turned out that way. I'm here to tell the truth and let readers decide for themselves. End of quote. Kimball Atwood, Science Based Medicine. I have been too inarticulate to formulate what is essentially my approach to this blog, to tell, as best I can, the truth. That would appear to be simple enough. Of course, it gets down to what constitutes the truth and whether you can handle the truth. What is truth? Small t? Truth of the big T is provided by belief systems that originate in a personal epiphany and you suddenly understand the meaning of life, the universe, and everything. Or, instead of coming up with 42, you conjure up Reiki or chiropractic. I strongly suspect that I was born without the part of the brain that allows me to appreciate the mystical, spiritual aspects of human existence. Or perhaps it was my upbringing. Probably a bit of both, although, having raised two kids in the eternal nurture-nature debate, I have been swayed heavily towards the nature side of the fence. I bet I was born that way. But I have always been totally tone-deaf to issues of spirituality and the surrounding issues of big T truths, so I'm going to stick with little t truths. Little t truths, or as I like to call them, facts, consists of the approximate understanding of the reality provided by the scientific method. Note the word approximate. I have always liked Richard Dawkins' metaphor of silence as climbing a series of peaks. At least that is how I remember it. I read the book years ago. You get to the top of one peak and it provides a vista of understanding, but there is always another peak to climb to offer yet an even more comprehensive view of the topic. Every year our understanding of reality is refined and extended. My undergrad degree was in physics and I remember the first you learn Newtonian physics, which was a subset of relativity and quantum mechanics, and everything built upon something else to expand our understanding of nature. Every year, our understanding of reality is refined and extended. Understanding something as ostensibly simple as influenza vaccine gets more sophisticated and subtle every year. It is not as simple as giving an antigen, develop an antibody, and become immune to that strain of the flu it has continued to increase understanding of the multiple facets of infectious diseases is what makes infectious diseases the most endlessly fascinating specialty in medicine. Well demonstrated on the Gavit O'Pus podcast. There are still lots of unexplained phenomenon in the universe, but mostly at the extremes of scale, the quantum level and the universe. At the approximation of the human scale the scaffolding upon which we hang our understanding is quite well worked out. The basic sciences, physics, chemistry, biochemistry, anatomy, physiology, pharmacology, evolution, etc., that inform our understanding of medicine do not leave any room for new concepts. The existing concepts that underlie medicine do not much support what passes for the underlying mechanisms that are the alleged basis of supplements, complementary and alternative medicine, i.e. scams. If there is more to human existence, wondrous strange, I have yet to see it. If there are phenomena at the human scale that exist outside of our understanding of the basic sciences, it has never been demonstrated over and above the ability of humans to convince themselves that magic exists. My philosophy, Hamlet, seems quite comprehensive. Though I have to admit, at some level, I am not a true skeptic or a true Scotsman. Since given the current understanding of reality, the following not only do not exist, but cannot exist. Their prior probability is zero. A true skeptic would give some credence to the possibility, however small, that a counterexample could be produced to confirm the reality of some bit of pseudoscience. However, the following incomplete lists do not and cannot be true, small t, and are fictions telepathy, astrology, psychics, talking to the dead, or at least the dead talking back, homeopathy, chiropractic subluxations, and all the pathophysiology that derive from the idea, meridians and key, and all the interventions that derive from that idea, energy medicine, Reiki, therapeutic touch, iridology, reflexology, craniosacral therapy, All of which, of course, is the training of a naturopath. It reinforces the idea that science-based medicine is really reality-based medicine. SBM is based on facts and small-t truths. While scams use the tools of science, much of the underlying conceptual framework is imaginary. It is Dr. Harriet Hall's idea of tooth fairy science which conceptualizes the idea perfectly. You can do all sorts of studies on the tooth fairy, how many teeth are brought, how much you get per tooth, the age of the person who gets the money, et cetera, et cetera, and come up with statistically significant data, I would bet. But the basic concept of the tooth fairy is, of course, garbage. And if you're an eight-year-old listening to this on your parents' car stereo on your way to kindergarten, I'm so sorry. But there is a Santa Claus. There is a lot of uncertainty in medicine, both diagnostically and therapeutically. What does the patient have? How best to treat it? It can be very complex, and often the most reliable diagnostic intervention, the autopsy, is refused by the patient. Go figure. The uncertainty in medicine is still within the framework of the sciences, however, and the difficulty in sorting through the great variability of disease presentation and treatments requires no understanding of cerebral spinal fluid tides or energy blockages or the law of similars. Chronic fatigue syndrome, CFS, is perhaps a good example where medicine does fail. There are still no diagnostic or therapeutic interventions that shed light on the disease or improve the quality of life for patients. I remain reasonably convinced that a subset of CFS patients have an infectious trigger, and that someday we will have an understanding of the pathophysiology of these patients. I do not think it is, quote, all in their head, unquote. Although Takasubo cardiomyopathy demonstrates that there is a mind-body connection, just not the mystical connections promulgated by the scam providers. There are no features about CFS to suggest this etiology will not eventually be amenable to understanding. As I have mentioned before, Humans operate within very narrow physiologic parameters and have a very limited repertoire with which to respond to the environment, and CFS appears to be variations on a theme. In medicine, we have an understanding of truth, of reality, an expanding collection of facts and their interrelationship provided by the basic sciences. At the center of medicine is applying the reality as best as possible to ill, frightened people. And the ill are vulnerable. When you are sick, you do not have the luxury to search for the best product available, like finding a TV on Consumer Reports. And even if you have the time, the complexity of medicine may preclude a good understanding of what the diagnosis and therapy should be. Hell, when I get my lipids checked, my primary said they were bad. She started to talk about LDLs and HDLs and ratios and risks, and I stopped her. I didn't care. I have better things to occupy my neurons with than lipids. I have blogs to write. I have podcasts to do. Bother me not with lipids. What do you want me to do? Lose weight. So I did. Now my lipids are fine. Just do not ask me what my numbers are or what they mean. I don't care to learn the ins and outs of my lipids. I have better things to do with my time. I trust my doctor. Boy, that's probably a bad idea. My problem, of course, is I've trained most of my doctors, so they pretty much do what I want them to anyway. There was a time when medicine was less standardized and reality-based. At the beginning of the 20th century, there were multiple competing forms of medicine and no standardization of medical education. Becoming a doctor could be as easy as hanging up your shingle. Would that be herpes zoster? Why would you put that up? I don't know declaring that since you cured deafness with the pop of a spine, you were a doctor and a healer. Because of the hodgepodge of disparate medical practices and the lack of an organized medical foundation, the Carnegie Foundation financed a review of medical education in the United States. It was authored by Abraham Flexner, and for some unknown reason it became known as the Flexner Report. And it became the foundation for the standardization medical education. The Flexner report resulted in the reorganization of medical school and gave rise to the system of medical training in use today, the long gruesome years of basic science. Among the many changes was a clear delineation between the aspects of medicine that were science-slash- reality-based and those that were not. Chiropractic, homeopathy, and naturopathy. Quote, When Flexner researched his report, modern medicine faced vigorous competition from several quarters, two dimes and a nickel, including osteopathic medicine, chiropractic medicine, eclectic medicine, naturopathy, and homeopathy. Flexner clearly doubted the scientific validity of all forms of medicine other than that based on scientific research. Hmm. Deeming any approach to medicine that did not advocate the use of treatments such as vaccines to prevent and cure illness as tantamount, to quackery and charlatanism, things never really do change, do they? Medical schools that offer training in various disciplines included eclectic medicine, physiomedicalism, naturopathy, and homeopathy. were told either to drop these courses from their curriculum or lose their accreditation and underwriting support. End of quote. The last hundred years has seen the proliferation of reality-based biomedical sciences. And there's been a similar proliferation of fantasy-based scams that one would think would have no reason to be included in modern medicine. The Flexner Report had put medicine firmly on the path of reality-based medicine, which I would argue is also ethically-based medicine as well. Diagnosis and therapies based upon what is, well, made-up shit, should have no utility in medicine. Ill-vulnerable people should not, one would think, have their lives, their health, and their finances put at risk on the basis of fictions. This is the point where someone will write me and talk about Viox. Thank you. Viox bad. Got it. Viox gone. Scams bad. Scams persist. Hey, there's an important difference there. Fast forward a hundred years to the Bravewell report. The Bravewell Report is a survey of the use of scams in modern American medical institutions. Many of the issues of the Bravewell Report have been discussed at length by Drs. Gorski, Norvella, and Atwood over at Science Based Medicine. I might as well pile on. What is striking about the report is how many of what I would have thought as premier medical institutions in the United States have repudiated science in reality, in favor of fantasy-based medicine. These are what I would have thought of as top-notch medical center. UCSF, Scripps, Vanderbilt, Duke, Cleveland Clinic, and MD Anderson are on the list. As always with proponents of scams, there is a spectrum from legitimate therapists and therapies that are called alternative to the completely wackaloon. I am going to limit myself to the 100% fantasy based wackaloon scams offered by institutions who really should know better. But that's me. I don't think popularity and profit should triumph over truth and integrity. I really should have been a Boy Scout. Shame, I guess, is not a concept embraced by our top medical centers. I'm putting top in quotes. I worry that I will soon be shouting at the top of my voice, a sure sign that I have become unhinged. 70% of these institutions employ an acupuncturist. 62% a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner. 38% a chiropractor. 28% a naturopath. 17% an av... I can never pronounce that word. Are you Vedric practitioner? And 17%... A homeopathy practitioner. Holy moly, goodness gracious, great balls of fire. Homeopathy in 17%. Almost one in five think it is legitimate medical practice to offer water to treat their patients. The mind boggles. If your medical institution has so little grasp of reality that they hire homeopaths and their fellow travelers the naturopath, time to seek care elsewhere. have hired a holistic nurse, whatever that is, probably those who do Reiki and therapeutic touch. Other fantasy-based therapies include energy psychologist, a Feldenkrais practitioner, if I'm pronouncing that right, a Kidong practitioner, and I don't care if I'm mispronouncing it, and a reflexologist. Of the 29 centers, 15 used Healing Touch or Reiki for cancer or chronic pain. Legitimate medical centers having people wave their hands over patients to treat cancer. Really, there is no shame. None. Evidently, they are proud of the fact, and I am sure that their board of directors are pleased. For asthma, nine used Healing Touch, four used Chiropractic, three used Homeopathy. For cancer, 15 institutions used Reiki, 15 used Healing Touch, four used Homeopathy. For diabetes, seven used Reiki, five used Healing Touch, two homeopathy. These are real diseases with well-known, well-described pathophysiologies... Pathophysiologies? (laughs) English is a second language. These are real diseases with well-known pathophysiologies and complications for which they offer magic. Interestingly, for diabetes... Only 24 of 29 of the institutions used food and nutrition, and 18 of 29 used exercise and fitness in their therapies. And here I thought diet and exercise were the mainstay of diabetes treatment. Same with heart disease, with 24 of 29 using food and nutrition, 20 of 29 using exercise and fitness, and for obesity, for obesity, 25 of 29 used food and nutrition, and 24 of 29 used exercise and fitness. So some of these institutions don't think that diet and exercise are used for diabetes or obesity, but would rather use reiki, acupuncture, or chiropractic. I wonder, rather than diet and exercise, how they treated diabetes, obesity, and heart disease. The lists do suggest probiotics, therapeutic touch, Reiki, and or homeopathy. Homeopathy probably would be a good choice for treating obesity since there's nothing in it and therefore no calories. In post-op care, 3 of 29 uses endurance training or Pilates. It doesn't seem to me offhand that post-operatively is the best time for it to be doing endurance training. They're probably not getting the patient ready for an Ironman after a hip replacement. Or so I would hope. But given their approach to diabetes, obesity, and heart disease, I'm not so sure. But believe it or not, it does get worse. 38% over 1 in 3 have an on-site retail sales for homeopathy. 21% sell these nonsense from their website. And 7% from their pharmacy or gift shop. Their pharmacy. They are selling water and are happy to proclaim it to the world. Similarly, 48% gave on sale of TCM or Ayurvedic, 21% from their website, 3% from their pharmacy or gift shop. 38% had on-site retail for aromatherapy. 17% were selling aromatherapy from their website. I guess they did learn something from Dr. Mercola. And 17%, again, from the pharmacy or gift shop. The pharmacy. It is a serious question. Why not have a psychic on staff to predict the patient's course? Or have John Edwards visit after a patient dies so the family can talk to their dead? Does anyone see any difference between those interventions and the ones already offered? I can't. Major medical institutions are offering fiction to their patients. It would be nice or at least easier to practice in one of these institutions where I work. I actually have to justify new drugs or interventions to the hospital in the formulary. We have to review the costs and the benefits of new interventions and decide based upon data, based upon reality, if say an antibiotic should be added to the formulary. We have to follow standards and review the literature. If I were to practice at Duke or Scripps, I could do whatever I damn well pleased, since they evidently have no standards of care, and any institution that sells homeopathy should have no institutional credibility. And the pharmacy, they don't have to worry about what they add. If they sell homeopathy, they can sell anything. But Flexner was a fool. Quote, such exploitation of medical education is strangely inconsistent with the social aspects of medical practice. The overwhelming importance of preventative medicine, sanitation, and public health indicates that in modern life, the medical profession is an organ differentiated by society for its highest purposes, not a business to be exploited. End quote. <laughs> he was so funny. A scientific basis for medicine and medical care having a higher purpose. The guy is a master humorist. As the Bravewell report says, quote, cash remains the most frequent form of payment, end quote. When there's a choice between reality and an exchange of fantasy for money, as Las Vegas always demonstrates, fantasy wins. The humor continues in the Bravewell report. They report that the clinical success is based in part on, quote, using an evidence-informed approach to care, end quote. I presume for those institutions that offer fantasy-based therapies, the evidence is from billing and collections, not PubMed, because I have read on all of these and written on all of these and podcasted on all of these alleged interventions, and none of them work. While most of the institutions measure patient satisfaction, the results of those measurements are not mentioned. I would bet that patient satisfaction is high. However, patient satisfaction does have its downsides. From a recent JAMA article, quote, higher patient satisfaction was associated with less emergency department care, but greater inpatient use, higher overall health care and prescription drug expenditures, and increased mortality, end quote. The da-da-da-da was not obviously in the JAMA article. That may be why they do not report incomes. I would postulate that high satisfaction with your alternative care would be associated with increased mortality, but then I would postulate that using alternative care would have increased mortality. My bias is that medicine should be used on the best approximation of reality that the scientific method can provide. Science-based medicine is reality-based medicine. The forms of therapy offered by what used to be considered top-notch medical institutions are based neither on science or reality, but I understand that popularity and profit are more important than honesty and integrity. It's the wave of the future. I was always under the impression that you can judge a person by the company they keep. Quote, One of the most striking, though perhaps predictable, conclusions of this study is that integrative medicine is, in fact, integrated And tautologies are tautologic. It integrates conventional medicine with non-conventional and non-Western therapies, ancient healing wisdom with modern therapies, and the whole person, mind, body, and spirit in the context of the community. If you integrate fantasy with reality, you do not instantiate reality. If you mix cow pie with apple pie, it doesn't make the cow pie better. It makes the apple pie worse. I have long thought that the laws of thermodynamics prohibited perpetual motion machines. No longer. If, somehow, we can harness the kinetic energy of Flexner's corpse, we would no longer have to import oil. At the rate it must be spinning, it is probably going to rotate forever. And that ends the 84th CrackCast. Don't forget to go to iTunes and write me glowing reviews. Otherwise, MoreMark.Squarespace.com has my growing multimedia empire. I shall see you next time. Bye-bye.